I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Clockworks, a Legion podcast without any puns in the introduction ever. Never? Never. Okay, so today's episode is another interview with some of the people involved in making Legion. Paul interviewed four of the people involved in the special effects makeup on Legion. These four are Todd Masters, Lori Sandnes, Sarah Pickersgill, and Yukio Okajima. It's a fantastic interview. I was, sadly, I wasn't able to be there for it again because we live in a stupid time zone. And so doing any sort of interviews mean, and I have no flexibility in my yeah. work schedule. People always, we're always interviewing people out of LA and the time difference between us and them is, you know, five and a half hours. So they're yeah. like, could we interview around noon? Yeah. Like, sure. <laughs> anyway. But it was a great, like, Paul had a great time. He kept gushing about it for ages afterwards. So I'm really excited to hear what they have to say. I have one little disclaimer about this interview, which is that we did it over Skype and the Skype connection was not the best it could have been. There are a few moments where the sound dropped out. I have mostly edited those away, but uh, there may be, you may you be able to use your keen detective skills to discover some moments where that seems to have happened. But regardless of that, the content of this interview is so interesting, and I am really excited that you get to hear it right away, right now. So without further ado, here we go. I'm very pleased today to have with me some of the artists at Masters FX who did the special effects makeup on Legion. I'm gonna, in a second, I'm going to ask them each to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their role, but for now, I just am very pleased to have them here with me. Uh, they've agreed to answer some questions about the special effects makeup on Legion, so we're very pleased to have you all with us today. Um, so can we do what I just said? Would you mind each uh, introducing yourselves and just a little bit of what your role on the team is? Sure, absolutely. Uh, this is Todd Masters. Uh, I'm the president of Masters Effects and usually act as a kind of a prosthetic effects producer or sometimes supervisor. Lori, go. I'm Lori Sennis and I, I'm also a makeup effects artist here, but I do I do coordinating for Legion as well as um, on-site makeup effects. Hi, my name's Sarah Pickers-Gill. I did the uh, I'm a makeup effects artist here, and I did the final design for the uh, LLI double, and uh, also on-site application. Hello, my name is Yukio. Hi. Yeah. Um, I work in the shop. <laughs> She's an amazing <laughs> makeup artist. <laughs> so the first question I always ask, uh, do you watch TV that you're involved in making? So do you, uh, specifically, do you watch Legion, but in general, Having worked on a project, do you then sit down and watch the thing, or does it feel to you like I've done my part? Well, this is Todd. I can only speak for myself. Um, I never watch the stuff we do, actually, because I, I feel like it's it's almost like we're still sort of undressed, and I, I kind of want to get a uh, I want to get away from it a little bit and kind of see it for what it is. And I, I'm I'm looking behind the scenes always, and yeah, you know, I'll watch stuff during production. And post-production and occasionally we'll see a premiere or something like that but i i, I like hiding from it actually i like moving <laughs> on to the next thing i think uh, i've read all the scripts for legion and i was really looking forward to watching i haven't watched them yet but i it, it's, it's something that i do want to watch i know what happens so i <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I, I didn't know really much about the comic or graphic novel, and uh, but I became kind of a fan after after we did the show. I started watching it, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we don't often, I mean, I won't say won't often, but sometimes we don't work on stuff that we actually, you know, would really want to watch after the fact. But I really got into the show, actually, so it was kind of cool. And so I ask her how it how what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I get the road notes on. What, what happened in the last episode, yeah. Well, I think also, yeah, can you hear us? I can hear you now. Hello? Hello? I lost the beginning of what you were saying, Todd. Okay, all right. Start that again. Okay, yeah, we're having a couple dropouts here and there on your end. It's probably the Canadian border. Probably. <laughs> um, so I was, just qu- I was just quickly saying it's, you know, with today's social media, it's a lot of fun to kind of watch the show through Twitter, for instance. Right. Like when the episodes air... Twitter just goes nuts and I don't need to watch the show because I know the scripts as well and I can kind of just hear from everybody if it's, you know, working or not. And it's kind of fun to to see what the fans kind of take on certain elements of the show. And the characters. And the characters. Things that maybe we didn't put as much thought into. They've kind of read into, the the fans have kind of read into the look of it and and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of fun to see that after the fact. So, how did each of you get into special effects makeup? Wow, how much time do you got? <laughs> I've got I as much time as you'll give me. Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we're like a baseball game; we can go forever. Uh, I think each one of us have kind of slightly different, but kind of actually very similar paths. Uh, we all possess the love of this type of art, and you know, kind of in a weird sadistic way kind of like the way it lays out in terms of schedules and the the amount of work we have to kind of pump through it's 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 kind of at least for me i grew up uh doing this stuff as a kid professionally and kind of started getting into film production pretty early as well as a bunch of others you know different uh production ideas and, and challenges uh so i kind of naturally grew into it um, I don't. Did, I don't know. You went to school for it, right? Well, I went to Vancouver Film School, but I also um, have an art background. But I always wanted to just make more. Make, I don't know. <laughs> 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 okay, you, you, you have must have a different background than me. So uh, pretty similar. I like. I like the movie. Yeah. And then I went to school, makeup school, and then just. Are working and then just the chance in Canada. Did, did you make monsters as a kid? I kind of more like a drawing. Yeah. Yeah. And a little drawing, something a little bit. Yeah. And Sarah, you've been here all your life, so. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't exist before this place. <laughs> Sarah is one of our longest employees. She actually started, uh, what, about 300 years ago? Because they never let me leave. Yeah, we, we, we've actually chambered her desk. Um, 15 years now? Oh, my goodness. And she's only 20, so. Wow. Started as a child. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we all we all love monsters. We we have a lot of respect for you know the monster makers have done this before us, and it's kind of a you know a passing of the monster maker torch. You know, these days, uh, practical monster making, um, you know, is is still very often done, but it's maybe not as commonly reported. Maybe more recently, it's getting more commonly reported, but it's it's not all CG anymore. Uh, it's a nice mix between practical and digital these days, and. Uh, it's it's kind of fun to kind of be on the, the front lines of that. Cool. Um, 
So can you take us through your involvement in an episode of Legion? And I like walk me through beginning to end. And I mean, partly uh, going along with this question, maybe do you think in terms of episodes or do you think in terms of creatures or specific effects? Yeah, we got, I think we got most of that. Um, well, so it starts, it starts usually with the concepts of the, the prosthetic characters, you know, like the devil with yellow eyes, for instance. Um, and so that usually happens in pre-production before we even see scripts. In, in this case, uh, the devil with yellow eyes uh, was very organic in terms of how it was developed. Uh, we all started doing various drawings and ideas to try to kind of flesh out what was inside of Noah's head. And eventually Sarah kind of uh, started dialing into something that he liked uh, in photoshops. And then we found our actor, Quentin. Uh, we did live casts and, you know, into a more or less a traditional prosthetic process, you know, sculpt, mold, cast. Uh, in this case, it was like fat suits and weird, huge, fat cowls, you know, that kind of stuff. And you know, as the season progressed, there was few other details we added to the character as it was more unveiled. Um, and there was other makeup effects, too. So when you get into the production side of it, um, they give us a script. We have a bunch of meetings. Usually Lori's the one leading the charge there. Uh, well, out of the meetings, we'll try to figure out from the production people how they see the effects that are written in the script. And then it's, it's usually a matter of us trying to decipher what's in the script too. <laughs> so Legion's a tricky one because it's not, they don't really spell it out for you. The scripts are, they're beautifully written, but it's, it's written more like a, more almost like the speed of the episode. So there's not a lot of break time to talk about, you know, the objects that are being seen. And so there is a bit of detective work to figure out, you know, what the artists here need to start, creating characters or effects or how we need to work with other departments to create what's needed. If we talk about the devil with yellow eyes, do you recall your first pitch or understanding of that character? How was it first described to you? It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) It actually wasn't. Uh, And that actually became a bit of a pickle. Um, I don't remember. Was it you at the first meetings or you at the first meetings? Yeah. Yeah. They had this. Oh, what was the, we got pizza. Thank you. <laughs> One of the producers had come and said he had this idea of this sad character with these with this really tiny face inside of big voluminous cheeks, and he wanted to feel sorry for this character at first, and we thought it was more like pity. But then, as it went on, they wanted him to be more kind of evil and sneaky. We found. Yeah, Yeah, I think the character definitely evolved over time. I think as they start seeing pictures of what we were working on and maybe as they were kind of evolving their own scripts, um, the character kind of started to evolve before we even went to camera. So, yeah, it was an interesting process. We got got an image from, what was that movie that they gave? Kung Fu Hustle? There was an image that... um, we were given from some show that just basically showed a very large man's head. Right. And that was like kind of the first clue that really sunk in. And we kind of realized that this guy needs to be kind of swollen and bizarre. And so we did some swollen, bizarre stuff. And I think Sarah, you really started kind of getting the real tone of the character. And then just kind of out of coincidence, we found the actor. Um, 
One of our artists here actually found the actor Quentin at, at a comic book shop. Yes, like a comic book toy, you know, kind of action figure toy store. Um, and yeah, it was like two weeks before we even got the script. We even got the show just by coincidence. She uh, went into the store she usually goes into and, and sees this guy and he's like 6'10", 6'11", six, six, something, something around really tall. Very tall. Very tall, really, really narrow. Very, yeah. very slender. And, uh, and he, you know, he just went up to him and said, have you ever thought about doing, you know, creature suit work because you're, you're everything that we're always looking for, you know? And, uh, you know, we didn't have anything from at the time, but he just kind of got his name and number. And then two weeks later, Lonely Our director was looking for an actor, and they yeah. didn't know how, know who or where they were going to get somebody. And we said we have this guy, and they brought him in for a, a try, and they said, "Yeah, take him." Yeah. Yeah, he fit the glass slipper. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the funny thing about that is, you know, he had really no acting experience, so we didn't know what the performance required, and right. just kind of pushed him out into the spotlight with this <laughs> crazy prosthetic on. And you know, if you look at the devil with the yellow eyes, he's tall and lean in the arms and legs, but then the rest of his body's trashed. And so it would have been tough to do on a large guy like that. We really needed to have the kind of the the uncumbered canvas. But we were really looking at him as a physical specimen. And then he actually gets on screen. He's like, damn, this guy's actually good. Yeah, he's a huge bonus because when you meet Quentin, he's not a very, you know, outspoken, you know, outspoken, outgoing kind of guy. And so we thought, can he really do this? Because he's very he quiet. He's quiet. He doesn't talk a lot until you, you know, until you get to know him. Right. So we thought, God, is he going to be able to go on a film set with all these people in front of the camera and deliver? You know, and first time he got in front of the camera, he just he just took every direction so well, and he came alive in front of the camera. And he didn't seem nervous at all. He didn't seem nervous, and yeah, it was yeah. great. And now, through our four and a half hour. Makeup application. Now he's getting other parts. Now he's like, you know, high in demand. Yeah, I saw on IMDb he's in another The Hammer of the Gods, I think, was the his second credit. Yeah, yeah. and I think he's currently doing something else right mm-hmm. now. So. Right. And uh, just, just fell into this new career for himself. Do you know, uh, in, I think it wasn't until episode uh, seven or eight, but there's, uh, the, his arms are his arms, correct? So there's scenes with his hands doing very, or with the devil with yellow eyes, his hands doing very unnatural looking things. Is that Quentin's hands? Do you know? On fingers? Yeah. Well, I think you're talking just because there are, there are episodes where um, it's funny because Quentin showed us this thing right in the beginning and he said, I can do this weird stuff with my hands. I got kind of <laughs> double jointed and he showed us and it's like, oh, that's creepy. And so he showed Noah, I think it was, or whoever was directing a particular episode. And, uh, and yeah, so they had him kind of doing this. I think it was that scene where they, they've got the, the map, map kind of yes, thing. Yes, that's I don't right. Know if you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, is that the one you're talking about? That is the one I'm thinking of. Fingers and joints. Yeah, exactly. And that was just him. He was like, I've always been able to do this weird <laughs> thing with my fingers. And I'm like, yeah, that looks creepy. Do it. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, like I said, it's just like it just by chance he just was so perfect for this. Everything that he brought to the table was just exactly what they needed. So it's, it's great. Yeah, it was kind of fun going into each episode to see what they wanted to, to Quentin to do each time, yeah. where they were going to take this character. Yeah. So 
Are you uh, responsible for the whole package of The Devil with Yellow Eyes? Or I'm specifically thinking, like, the clothes. Is that you or is that the costume department doing that? Uh, the suit, the shredded suit that he wears, that's the costume department okay. that takes care of that. And I think we did a rendition of the fat suit early on. Um, and then I think they came up with another one for him to wear. Um, I think in the pilot episode, yeah. he had his t-shirt. All right. And then they yeah. Okay. How many versions of the Devil with Yellow Eyes were there? And by that I mean specifically what I noticed is the coloring of him changes. Is that achieved by lighting or did you color him differently for different scenes, episodes, and moments? Everyday of prosthetics is a fresh set of prosthetics. Okay. So each one of them is um, you know, individually colored the the cowl is quite this large headpiece and there's facial prosthetics and the cowl actually has individual hair punched into it. Um, so there is a consistency, but there is also kind of a, a uniqueness, which I don't know, you could probably attribute to, um, you know, the way he's seen each time, right. uh, the tone of the character of the scene. Uh, I, or, will admit, I will admit to this, me and, uh, Harlan McFarlane, which is the other makeup artist that, that applied the devil every day. Um, we found early on that, the paint scheme that we were doing could look a little bit flat under some light um, because they, in some scenes, put really, really harsh lighting on them. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the paint evolved a little bit towards the end of the show where we put a bit more texture in and a bit more kind of modeling um, because we did find that that under some of the light, he looked a little bit flat, so we really bumped it up a little bit. So there's a chance that could have come through on uh, <laughs> on the show. And also, I, I feel like um, in some scenes where it was kind of like weird, kind of flashy, kind of photography, um, I think this effects may have filtered. Yeah, done some kind of filters on some of the scenes. So, okay. yeah, probably. So there's definitely some moments, especially when he's wearing the suit, that he looks almost, the suit looks almost cartoon. And even his face, and I was just curious about whether that was done in makeup or lighting or VFX or how that difference there's definitely I think I think it actually is quite effective but uh, I did notice some difference in how much texture he has and I attributed it to a difference in how you know real he is at that moment mm-hmm. I think yeah I think it might be a combination of a lot of things like I said we we bumped up the texture a little bit but I did find in a couple of the episodes I watched I think they enhance the lighting or did some kind of filter with, with this effects. So right. I think that might be my essence to do that. <laughs> yeah, from the pilot episode, they sent us some clips and I I know they had filtered over him to make him a little darker and creepier. Right. Were there any particular challenges with the devil with the yellow eyes? And I have a, I think of this as a two-part question and I'm interested in hearing about, uh, conceptual challenges and practical challenges. Is there anything particular about the concept and imagining the character that was a challenge for you? Well, any television show, the challenge is always going to be schedule and budget. Right. Uh, So, I mean, you know, that's kind of a broken record, I think, but that's (laughs) kind of, of, you know, the, the creative challenge for us is always to try to keep quality up and keep what we want in these things. Uh, you know, as specific as we get with prosthetics, we, we want to kind of get it into the schedule. And it's, it's always a trick to 
to get a production and you know the actual fabrication of prosthetics and all that uh, to line often in television only get a week maybe two weeks to prepare stuff and like with the devil of the yellow eyes I mean, he was uh, not, you know, the initial part of the sculpting and the designing and the creating of the initial pieces, that's that's several weeks right there. And then, then it turns into just, you know, mass production of making all these cowls and these prosthetic pieces. And they have to be done, you know, very supple, very skin-like. Um, we have some artists here that just do an amazing job, you know, trying to keep up with all the requirements uh, with, with the time. Uh, so it's it's not uncommon that we're here a lot, and we have sp split shifts, and we're trying to juggle other pr productions. It's it, it's quite a deal to get everybody uh, to work together on you know one prosthetic, one character when so many things are going on at crazy schedules. But for some somehow it works. It's right. it's kind of crazy to watch. With the Quentin prosthetics, it it takes four or five days to actually leave one full set for him. Okay. That's in uh, casting the rubber, uh, you know, cooking it, uh, then finishing it, seaming it, painting it, then adding the hair. That's that's not the initial sculpt and mold, which is probably about a month and a half, I bet. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, all of the back and forth and the designs and approvals that kind of eats into your time as well. Slight so changes. Slight changes here and there, and I remember lots of late nights sculpting that thing. It was it was quite a I think we were right down to the wire in the end. I, I'm sure we were. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know too many shows where we're not. That's true. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, our teams are, are, are pretty good with the quality of the work, adding kind of all the production speed bumps of schedule changes and notes and all the rest. It, it's just a real challenge to kind of get it all happening in a, in a level of quality that we like, but it, it happens. I mean, I think I hear things like, you know, Quentin was four hours in the chair. Uh, what does that look like for you? Are you spending four hours on him? Or are you moving to through to different people while he dries, trading off? What's How does that four hours look like from your side? It goes very quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually at some crazy hour in the morning and it's dark and cold. Uh, and there's like only two people from production there. Uh, and there's no copy yet. <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of like it's it's almost like you know you're asked to do the most specific style of artwork with little brushes around you know performers' eyeballs and they're, they're usually asleep. You know, high specific level of art under kind of the worst conditions. I mean, you know, it's early, it's dark, there's no one there need anything. Um, so it's it's always kind of like you know working with your hands tied behind your back in some respects. Um, but that's kind of, you know, why we have the best teams, you know, <laughs> the, the people that do it. That's that's kind of what we're made for. You know, like Harlow, for instance, that's that's his time to shine. You yeah, know, Harlow and Sarah, they would be four hours of straight, almost mm -hmm. touching him the whole time. Right. Blow dryers or, or glue, <laughs> yes. bathroom break and burrito but, break and away you go. But it is nonstop <laughs> touching him. Yeah, and it's like, you know, he, he leaves whatever, you know, if it's the the four the three hour and fifty nine, you know, minute, uh, he's usually up and out of there for a rehearsal. You so you have to be, you know, on point to do this stuff. Right. Um how compartmentalized is your work? Uh do you contribute with each other's work or are there very clear lines between each person's tasks? 
I think that, you know, as I was saying before, that kind of that our odd orchestration of all of us kind of, you know, moving on the same project, but also in other things, uh, really comes from kind of the quality of the people that we have. I mean, we've worked together for a while, a lot of us, and I think we've kind of gone through kind of the bumping in part. Like, you know, for, we don't, Sarah and I used to apply it was like the perfect size, you know, like she was a little lower than I, so we, we could kind of work together. And it's, that's, that's kind of a ridiculous example. But in a lot of ways, you know, because we've kind of got this shorthand with each other, we know where everybody's powers are. And in some cases, uh, you know, some of the artists do so many different aspects of us, it. not just like we have an artist that sculpts. Right. You know, in some cases there are people that are heavier on their sculpt than other stuff. But like, you know, Yukio, for instance, does everything from computer graphics to making the world's greatest severed heads to, to making like some of the greatest hair work. And she's got so many spe very specific quality uh, talents that we look to her to kind of back us up on a lot of stuff. Cause you know, when, when we don't have time, um, you know, we'll look to another team member to kind of pick up the ball or if we run out of energy is another problem because we, we, you know, like you'll, Sarah will jam on a sculpture and she'll like bang it out, you know, even over a series of days, but then you're kind of done with it. You sort of kind of need to like get it onto molds and we have a great team here that we can trust isn't going to F it up and going to do the best mold out of the best stuff. Uh, just because we've been kind of working on it for a while and it, it, it's kind of how it happens. It is organic, but it's also from, you know, a series of uh, really quality people that have you know, done it enough that we have a, a pipeline established. None of that was reported. <laughs> <laughs> so the devil with yellow eyes is the most obvious uh, special effects makeup on Legion, but I understand you also, uh, did the bruising makeup for two carries. Um, Car Amber Midthunder female carry is bruised and beaten. And then Bill Irwin's male carry absorbs her and takes on that bruising. Uh, did you do the bruising for both of those actors? Yep. Small prosthetics. We sculpted some small swollen eyebrow or eye and cheek and lip prosthetics that had to heal slowly over the course of every time he wore it. But yeah, that makeup, was applied mostly like out of kid as well as these small prosthetics, but several days in a row. Right. Right. Um, is there a, is it a challenge to like match the damage on two different actors? Uh, yeah, we usually like to have the same artist who does it once with that style to also apply on the other, other artist or other actor. And it's also hard to have a, a, this availability because since we're on so many different shows, we have right. a few people that aren't available for all day. It's good that we can have an artist that we know can match what someone else has done as well. And what do you think about when you're creating the effect of, you know, physical damage? Are there pitfalls to avoid? Are there what things do you think about? <laughs> I mean, like... Real so we, know. we smack each other around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose what I'm asking maybe <laughs> for this and for in general, like how do you, how do you decide that you've done a good job? And by which I mean, like, what are you, what specifically are you looking at to say, yes, this is great. Or no, we need to keep going or approach this differently. What are you looking for to say? Yes, that's perfect now. 
Well, for the burn, for the our our interrogator burn, when we when Yuki was sculpted or she designed the burn makeup, and when we sent it in, they're like, "Oh, that's disgusting." So we knew that was. The- <laughs> yeah, so we usually try to tempt things through with like photoshops or some sort of visual that we could bring to a meeting or, or get over to the eyeballs, you know, that are approving this stuff. And we, we like to them to kind of chime in that way. And, right. you know, if they don't have anything to say, we continue forward and, you know, make it as gross as we know to make it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the reason we get hired. They, they, they like the work we've done. And so they kind of want our eyeballs to, to really be one of the members of the team right. to approve the creative. So, you know, that's hopefully kind of, you know, what it's about. And if they don't like it, you usually don't do the show. Right. <laughs> I mean, in the same kind of uh, vein, when you see makeup as a professional, is, what do you, is there things that maybe you think uh, layman wouldn't notice, but to you is like, oh, that was done really well? Uh, when you see either your own or someone else's work, are there things that you look for that are markers for you of this is done really well? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I sort of meant is that we've done this for so long that we've established a visual language of what works and what doesn't work. And that's mm-hmm. sort of how you kind of push into the the void of design, you know, to work in design that's never hopefully been out there. You have to have a certain visual rule book to know what works and what doesn't work, the levels of quality, the levels that you can get away with even. And so, yeah, it drives us crazy when we, you know, we see something. I'm like, I'm one of those people that if I'm talking to someone in a conversation and they have a booger, I'm going to say, hey, you got a booger. You know, I'm just that kind of person, right? I just, it just, it just drives me. And by the way, you have a booger. <laughs> Kidding. Um, <laughs> It's just, it's just a visual thing that I've always had that, you know, there's certain acceptable things on film and television. Like, you don't put boogers on television right. Right, unless it's really needed. Uh, but there's certain, you know, there's, that, that grows from there on. You know, there's certain ways to design characters and images of, of film and entertainment um, that are on an acceptable basis and others that are on a kind of a, a frustrating basis. And so we use a high level of those skills to kind of, you know, design this stuff. And yeah, when we see makeups that aren't working or maybe designed in a way that is aggressively designed, but ultimately is stupid. Yeah. It bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> I think as, as viewers, we're harsher critics than the layman would be, but, but I think some, in the back of our minds, we all kind of, know what goes on behind the scenes so sometimes we can forgive things because we know that sometimes right. we have to do things that you know they they production they want and we may necessarily not think it's the right direction but you know you have to make the client happy so i think we kind of keep that in mind when we see other work and critique accordingly <laughs> Um, you mentioned the scar makeup on uh, Hamish Linklater's Interrogator. Um, I remember watching the episode, the eighth episode of Legion, with that scar makeup and being really impressed by it. In fact, I think I said to my wife, Jan, who's my co-host usually on this show, but her uh, schedule is not as flexible as mine, so unfortunately she couldn't be here uh, today. But I think I remember saying on this very podcast that I thought that looked better than the two-faced makeup on the Dark Knight Rises, which is the obvious uh, um, comparison. Um, so how do you 
How did you approach that that scar makeup? You started to answer a little bit, uh, but can you tell me about doing that scar makeup on uh, Hamish Linklater? Well, we you Kiel was the one that designed this makeup, and uh, uh, we, I, we asked her to, to find some good burn makeup. They didn't want to give like half half face, so you Kiel referenced a whole bunch of uh, scars and. How did you go from there, you feel? <laughs> we do a Photoshop. I did Photoshop and I use a real reference. Yeah. And then there's the spot thing. And we, uh, we had it, her, her, her Photoshop approved and they liked what she'd done with it so much that they wanted to do it on the whole rest of his body at one point as well. <laughs> right. And, and I think the whole half, he, he is obviously more burned on one half than the other, but I think initially they didn't want you to see from one angle that he was as burned as he was. So yeah, more of a reveal. Yeah, there right. was more of a reveal. I think that kind of was where that whole one half being marked. I don't think it was necessarily a design choice, but it was more that they needed that reveal when right. he turned around kind of thing. I actually never thought of the Dark Knight reference at all. <laughs> <laughs> you neither? Yeah, so well, that's, you know... It, Sometimes, you know, the, the 50-50 makeup is what you get when directors need the reveal. So I think that was kind of almost, you know, maybe designed subconsciously. In right. Is there anything about uh, the work you do that you think people maybe don't know or don't understand that you'd like them to? Time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to keep, We actually don't want them to know anything about what we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I think, you know... In this day and age, a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the people that are not so familiar with makeup effects and, you know, film effects, I think a lot of quote unquote normal people think a lot of this stuff is CG, is com computer graphics. Um, I, I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and they don't realize how much work goes into us trying to make things almost look to a level of CG. I once had a producer compliment us by saying, wow, it looks great. It looks CG. <laughs> <laughs> that was really interesting. That was fringe, in fact. But, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of efforts that we all do internally to think about these things on a level that's actually kind of oddly very specific to the work. Uh, like, for instance, I don't think many of us knew what we were doing when we were doing The Devil with Yellow Eyes. I mean, we were actually on a show called Clubhouse, not Legion. Right. And we, I think we had some suspicions. I'm not a big comic book fan, but I, uh, I talked to some friends of mine that, are really into it, and they started informing me and in sort of what we were doing, and then Quentin starts informing us, and so it's almost like you know we were so focused on getting the physical art made that we sort of didn't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> so it wasn't until later it was like, oh, we're doing what? So uh, I think it was right around the same time we learned that Blair Witch was Blair Witch. It was kind of a, I think it was Comic Con last year that. We started hearing all these you know, rumbles about, you know, the real name of the show and what we were really doing on on Legion as well as Blair Witch. And I think there was even one other that kind of hid the identity from us, you know, so it kept in secrecy. But, you know, that's that I thought was kind of the oddest thing about this project. It was really that. That you didn't but know what it was? Going back to that whole kind of time issue, I think, you know, shows like face off and you know and movies in the past like mrs doubtfire and that kind of thing i think it you know the general public doesn't really have a good idea of what goes into how long it takes us to do and what the 
you know, her own the processes and yeah. um, and how many people are involved. and how many people are involved behind the scenes and and you know, I think um, when when we go to ask for uh, like rap gifts or you know invites to the rap party, they, they usually only think there's two people. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes like. 30 or, yeah so it's we all have to kind of slice up these you know invites and uh rap uh, uh swag so everybody gets a piece but it's it's kind of amusing i mean they only see a few of us go to set right. so I, I can understand part of it so on the before the devil with yellow eyes uh for example um how long i i asked this and you gave details but uh like for a straight number how long from very beginning till wipe your hands, I'm not working, I'm done with the devil with yellow eyes. How long is that for you? <laughs> Still working on it. Still yeah. working on it? <laughs> Do you mean like pre-production? Like yeah, pre-production from like, we, I, I yeah. want yeah. you to work on this show that is called Clubhouse all the way to, well, the devil with yellow eyes is done from my perspective. I'm doing this about two, over two months. Yeah, I think, I think from beginning meetings to Say when we had the about first five. day of shooting, I think it, it was, was probably test. about five weeks, right? Yeah. Something like that. And then this show shot all of, oh, what did, no, we shot a pilot. And then there was a big hiatus. And, uh, and then we shot all the episodes before they even aired. So, I mean, it was a long process. But from the original design of Sarah did the concept and for, well, there were several drawings going on. And mm-hmm. then, that went on for about a week, and then it was a couple weeks of sculpting, and then days of molding, and then running the pieces, and then fixing them, and then pre-painting them, and, and an individual hair takes a whole other day just to put the hairs in individually, and, and then yeah. on set, you take a piece of the set, and then that's another bit, last four and a half hours of the application and the approval. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, there was, what, like, months and months and months worth of shooting, so... It's felt like it's been a long time actually on this show, <laughs> especially seeing as there was a big um, gap between shooting the pilot and then shooting all the episodes. Right. So it kind of felt it did actually feel a lot longer than a lot of other shows. You know, it felt like it went on a lot longer, but it was good because we enjoyed the show, so it wasn't it wasn't such a chore. And then the character going got a lot of play. Sometimes we make we do a design for a character, and he's seen on camera for set. Right. or minutes, but our devil, when he's he's in a lot of the a lot of play, which is nice to see. Um, and you also said uh, more people work on it than people expect. How many? If you give a you know generous that is anyone who worked on it at all, how many people were involved in the devil with yellow eyes? among you 10 15 maybe depending on who's available to do which part and which day and because each piece that gets rerun we have a different crew that that needs to put the time in right so yeah there was probably at least 10 people that all touched it at one point at least okay all right well uh and finally i think i uh we're running a little longer than the half hour i said this would be but uh before I let you go, finally, where can our uh, listeners look forward to seeing your work next? Oh, God. Um, well, let's see. <clears throat> we just finished a project we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> but the first one came out 30 years ago Monday. Um, so that kind of ate up a bunch of our 
early part of this year. Magicians, um, TV shows coming back. Yeah, Magicians is just gearing up for season three, I guess. Uh, zoo. Zoo, Zoo. There you go. Zoo's probably the next one. So Zoo comes out later June. Uh, that's on CBS. All right. So that comes out the 29th of June. Um, and so we, I, I don't know if you know that show, but it's kind of Walking Dead with animals. You know, okay. animals have taken over the earth, and they're all badasses and all that. Lemoncello <laughs> is oh, coming this week. That's right, Lemoncello and Nickelodeon? Yeah, Lemoncello's Library. Lemoncello's okay. Library. Uh, another kid thing called Aliens Ate My Homework, which I think is probably fall. Um, I don't know. We're all over the place. Let me see. What else have we got? We got a couple things uh, coming up in the summer. Uh, we got the Slither DVD coming out on July 25th. We got the uh, the Belco experiment Blu-ray uh, coming out. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> on the 27th of June. Um, boy, sorry, you caught me a little off guard. I was just checking here. Uh, Busy so people. There's, there's a couple, yeah, exactly. Look at the resume. Looking at our calendar here. Uh, I think that's probably the big the big ones for right now. But um, I'm sure there'll be more. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. So, I mean, it sounds like you're very busy. So it uh, makes me even more grateful that you gave mm -hmm. us this time. I really appreciate it. And this has been a really, uh, a really interesting conversation. So thank you so much for it. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. See you later. And that was our interview with the good people at Masters FX. That was really cool. It was really interesting to hear about how they make the makeup and how many people are involved in it. Yeah, that was one of the things that I was that was really interesting to hear about, how, you know, 10, 15 people involved in making one piece mm -hmm. and the, the amount of hands-on. And it makes sense when they say it, but you don't necessarily think how many people are involved in making one bit of makeup or one monster or one... And that they don't reuse. Yeah. They make new pieces every time is amazing to me. Like, it's such a cool art. It's such an interesting, like, I can't imagine how you get into it. And I would love to, like, yeah, be a fly on the wall in a studio like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they did such a great job. The Devil with the Yellow Eyes is an amazing character and is such a unique, and it's so great for them, too, that it gets to be on screen for so long. This yeah. Thing, this thing they created. Yeah, I think it was... Uh, can't remember who's anyway. One of somebody said uh, that that often their creations are on screen for just a second, but it must be so satisfying that the devil with yellow eyes was on screen for such a long time. Yeah, in so many episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was great. Yeah. Um. So this is now. I'm going to say it again. Officially, as our last episode of. We don't have any more interviews in the docket, so this is our last episode for this season. Well, we'll see you next time. Clockwork start. Uh, next time, Legion starts airing. Yeah. So this makes. Uh, this is our 16th episode of Clockworks, and there were eight episodes of Legion. So we have officially twice as many episodes as the show we're talking about. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, we could go on for so much longer, but we won't. We'll, we'll spare you that. We could. When we were talking about uh, wrap-up episodes, we had many more directions to take a wrap-up episode. But, you know, that was just a wrap-up of the season. Maybe we'll save some of those discussion points for wrapping up season two, season three. Onwards. And onwards. It, where can you find us? 
You can find us on Twitter at ClockworksCast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this interview, about our other interviews. If you're, you know, have listened through Clockworks and not commented in the past, we would love to hear your thoughts and comments about old episodes as well, not just this most recent one. You can send us an email at clockworkscast at gmail.com, and we'd also love to hear from you there. If you like this podcast, you can review, rate, or review us on, I think they've changed, I think it's not iTunes anymore, it's Apple Podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. So, review us on there. Uh, Also, if you're interested in in our new podcast, it'll be coming out after, since we're done with Clockworks for a while, we have WTS Cast on Twitter, and that's way too seriously, our, our podcast about kids' movies. So way too seriously, we will talk for about half an hour. It'll be a little shorter than this show. Yeah. Uh, talking about some of the issues in kids' movies, one movie per episode. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. We have our first Patreon goal is a very humble $10 a month. And if we reach that, we've pledged that we will buy microphones. Um, improve our sound quality. Those microphones will cost more than $10, but it's an excuse for us to buy something we really want to buy. The sound quality will get so much better. We're so close to reaching it. You could be the one. You, right now, could be the one who makes it so that we have <laughs> microphones and for... Stop sounding desperate. <laughs> for the rest of our entire podcast career, the sound will be so much better, and that's exciting. All right, are we done with this? We'll pass the savings <laughs> on to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough desperation. It's time to go. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> you stole my wine. <laughs>